everybody and welcome to the Ponytail Show. We have, this is like the first time in the Ponytail Show's short existence that we've got more than one um, guest on the show at one time, but this is something dear to my heart. We're going to treat this as a kind of panel discussion and it's basically about uh, Instagram posts that I saw from Glenn. Um, okay, first I'm going to introduce everyone. We got Glenjamin up the top. We've got Zen Sekizawa, um, and we've also got Devin Tuno. Um, everyone is very highly creative, all based in LA, and feels strongly about, you know, preserving the heritage of Little Japan in LA. So, okay, I saw a post by Glenn, um, basically uh, talking about the brand called. Mokuyobi, and um, they're just moving into. Uh, they've got a new space um, in Little Jap- Little um, t- Tokyo. Is that what it's called? Little Tokyo um, in LA. Sorry, I'm not an LA person, so I'm coming from Bangkok here. I I'm like a foreigner in this space. Um, so you know that's the groundwork. But I'm going to take it to Devon now to kind of explain to everybody what the situation is and then we can discuss the implications that this has on on culture and community. Take it away, Devin. Yeah, um, well, the story goes, I was on Instagram really late at night with Glenn and Zen, just like uh, any old night. And <laughs> uh, Zen sent me a message, and, and she was like, wow, did you see this uh, Mokiyobi brand? And why are you following them? <laughs> and and uh, I, was, I, I remembered that um, the brand, because I had seen it around in L.A. and a couple, a couple of other shops. So I clicked on their page, and I saw that they had an announcement they were going to open in Little Tokyo. And I had always just assumed that it was um, like a Japanese brand or a Japanese-American-owned brand. And um, I started reading through the comments and people were asking about their intention of opening in Little Tokyo and um, um, some information about uh, the spelling of the, the name Mokuyobi and just kind of general questions about like, why they were opening in Little Tokyo and what was their relationship with the, the history there. And uh, I noticed that there were a few people who um, chimed in and asked questions, and some of them I knew um, as kind of longtime community members like then. And just the responses by the company were really offensive. Mm-hmm. Some of the things they said um, kind of were not just ignorant, but like very kind of aggressive and mm-hmm. Um, really hurt, actually really hurt me and really kind of made me think a lot about my grandmother and about my friends' families and things like that, so. Mm. Yeah. And what kind of comments were these? Just like maybe any of you can can like jump in here. Like for people who have no clue about what's going on and they're just trying, they're just like tuning in right now. What are those kind of hurtful things? And like, yeah, go for it, Zen. Um, I think that like, 
Well, little Tokyo in LA and LA in general is going through a really bad uh, fight with uh, gentrification um, and displacement. Um, and the history of little Tokyo is a place of displacement where it was a pickup and roundup uh, site for incarceration. So, um, you know, there, I think LA is, you know, there's a lot of talk about food washing, art washing, gentrification, um, like most big cities uh, are struggling with right now. So basically like Mokuyobi is opening up right next to the only signifier, architectural signifier we have in Little Tokyo, which is this, the Yagudan First Street, historic First Street North, um, right across from it. And, um, and, you know, somebody pointed out that this was owned by white people and, uh, you know, they were lightly pressed on Instagram about their cultural appropriation, their name of their company, uh, their Fujisan logo. Um, and they just responded terribly by uh, deleting and erasing comments. Um, I mean, there's so many ways that this went wrong. They like totally did this. Uh, everything they, they did was wrong. They like deleted comments. They were very antagonistic. They're very hostile, they're very threatening. Um, you know, they didn't take the critique at all. They, they were just like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's not the case. And then I think the one thing that really like set me over the edge was they said, um, like your elders and the community council will are just, wait, wait. Their, your elders and the community council would be so disgusted if they knew how you were treating us, right? And like, Little Tokyo's like foundation is based on a history of protest and fighting, mm. you know, against supremacy. And um, it's just, just so racist to yeah. talk about our elders yeah. and what they think, you know? And I think that really, really um, rightfully angered and triggered thousands of people mm -hmm. and like especially core community members in little tokyo who were also you know erased and silenced um yeah, yeah. I, when i uh, as an outsider when i look at this issue two core things come up for me um because you know for me in my niche kind of fashion corner of the fashion world i actually have a lot of friends who also I realized after yeah. reposting things on Instagram that feel who also know about this issue and feel very strongly about this issue, uh, people who have stores very nearby as well. Um, the two core issues here for me is like, number one, if you build a brand based on another culture, you need to understand the values of that culture on a deeply profound level and you have to practice what you preach. Number one, full stop. You know, number two, this is in my point of view, is like, okay, how do you enter a community as an outsider? It's not wrong to do that, but how do you do that in a way where, you know, to me the idea of community itself is 
the foundation of, of who we are as humans. It's how we evolve. We cooperate to survive, like, you know, like how do we enter a space where we, you know, we can embrace that community to enrich that community, um, you know, so that everybody can thrive, you know, in togetherness. Um, and that has strongly has a lot to do with the first point of like, how do you, you know, of respecting and embodying the values of that particular community. Hey, Glenn, you've been a bit silent here. I know you feel well, very I mean... strongly about this. Um, like, what do you, what are the key issues here for you? Like, so first of all, I'm not Japanese, you know, and that's a big takeaway. I, I'm so angry coming from an outsider kind of perspective as another like fellow Asian brother and sister, you know, like my background with little Tokyo is more about my grandparents who are Korean would live in this little Tokyo Towers uh, elderly community. They lived there for about like 20 years before they passed away. Um, but I would go there to see them and hang out with them. And then we would like take walks in little Tokyo village because it's sort of like the park kind of for that community to like go around and sort of, you know, be somewhere familiar architecturally, storefront wise, food wise and stuff like that. So I came more of like, like, I'm not an activist. I'm not like a, always like a community forward person like that, you know, but it like hit me to a core because I was like pissed on behalf of you guys. Mm. Cause it just like sucks to see something like that. Like when someone is like white, you know, and says that, Oh, I went to Japan. I got so inspired. I'm going to call my thing Mokuyobi, but I'm going to spell it wrong. And then I'm going to make a mountain thing because everybody knows how Mount Fuji looks. But I think that when I draw it, it looks so cute that whatever, you know, and I'm just like, bro, shut up. You know, it's just like, it's just like to come from that perspective of like, like I have roots in terms of like my experiences with the community, but I've never like, like done everything like Zen and, and Devin have done, but through mutual friends, like I know Devin through mutual friends, um, and Zen, I met through Devin. Um, it's just one of those things. Like I can feel the disrespect, um, just being your friend. And I think that's just like, if I can feel it, and I'm not even a part of the community, how else does it feel to everyone else that's like in the surrounding community? And to see something like that, and like I went, bro, trust me, I went into the Instagram comments and everything as a troll. Okay, like. I was like, if you're going to do that to my friends, like, I got your back. Like, I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to do whatever you can. I want you to feel stupid because it's pretty stupid what you're doing, you know? And I saw, I literally saw them, like, delete comments, block people. And then the next day, they're unblocking people and sit and giving comments, like, in this, like, tone of austerity, you know? Like, saying, like, you know, like, we're so respectful and whatever. And it's like the number one thing about respect is you listen to what they say and you sort of do what they tell you to do. You know, it's like, I'm not Japanese. I don't wear, I don't act like a Japanese person just cause I, and I've been to Tokyo and Japan and like Osaka and Kyoto a bunch of times, you know, but I don't like come back like wearing a kimono or <laughs> putting my, you know, like fucking yeah. playing with the samurai sword or anything. You know, it's just like, I don't do that because I know that 
it's not an authentic version of myself. The thing is, though, these fools are from South Pasadena, and they play it off like they're like experts on 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 Japanese culture, and like just because like you know, I don't think it's more stereotyping when you think everyone in Japan dresses in like kawaii like color blocks clothing and like everyone is a Sanrio character at heart it's not they're complex people with a complex history mm. with like a rich lush history and like but the main tenet of japanese people from going to japan is respect and you're like you're just stomping all over the number one key rule you know and i'm like yo man you going down you know and that's how that's the way i came at it you know yeah like you know me like i i, I go in hard if that okay. happens and it's like and like like you said you saw it through my lens mm. which wasn't even like the lens of what the people that were going through but you saw how pissed i was like i was just instagramming about it like yeah. every day i was finding like snl clips of <laughs> fake you know japanese skits and i was like yo this Julie chick looks like reminds me of this, this like skit. And, you know, it's just like one of those things, like I'd rather fight it with humor um, than like, you know, there's a part of me that would love to like smash it, smash in the window with like a chair, you know, but yeah. I can't, you can't do that to get your message across. Like you can't resort to something lower than what the actual message is, you know? I love that. Like I got a, I have a lot of like terrible things I, I would say <laughs> off of the record. But in terms of like carrying the message, I have to like support my other brothers and sisters in them taking the lead. But I'll say some shit, you know, I'll yeah. totally say it because I want them to feel stupid. Like, and I have a lot of like, you know, I met Lauren through going to Paris a lot. Like I've gone to a lot of like fashion shows and stuff. Like I, we've dealt with a lot of fashion brands that have a lot of like, you know, a lot of respect. And I'm like, yo, before you respond to me, you should know, like, who my homies are, you know? Because, like, it's going to be really dumb when you come at me in your, like, I know fashion vibe when I, I sort of know fashion too, you know? Yeah. And it's I just, love, like, I it's just it's funny. I'm going to cut in now because, like, you touched on so many really good points that I want to explore. But, okay, basically, I feel like, you know, first of all, there's this kind of, primal fear i.e like a, a kind of white fragility happening right now on one part of the story um to me um maybe perhaps the brand uh when they moved into you know little tokyo and you know received this kind of um backlash you know what they should have done was be open to feedback and constructive and that's what how how community evolves and grows and is nourished. But instead, it seems like they've really gone in, they've closed and they've gone into their shell, which creates pain. It's, um, you know, it, it creates, it's like very harmful to the local community. And I think that is the pain and anger that we are seeing as a reaction from this. Now, my intention for having this talk is to now kind of try and map out a way forward of how we can disarm this you know kind of fear-based arms race and like what is a constructive way that a brand like this can can make things right and move forward based on you know 
experiencing everything that's happened. Um, and another point that Glenn had was, you know, to the point was, you know, what is, you know, it's about a brand's authenticity as well. Um, you talked about, you know, basing a lot of their designs um, on Japanese, um, you know, on Japanese, the Japanese culture. So I didn't really know much about the brand itself. So I did a bit of homework and I went onto their website and I, I had a look at, they have a, a section on their website called Values which was exactly what I, I was thinking about when I when we were thinking about this issue. So um, it just seemed like there was a lot of wish-wash um, about uh, kind of, it felt like I was being sold a vacuum cleaner, to be honest, when I read their values page. Um, one great example for me, which doesn't have to do with the um, race issue, but has to do with um, a garment construction from the fashion point of view, just things like um, under their category ethical production, you know, um, they write, we want um, our transparency to give you, our customer, confidence about the product you are buying and the brand ethics and ethos that you are supporting. Now, that doesn't seem quite right to me when the brand's behavior is to delete comments and to, you know, have such such a strong response to from their local community. Um, you know, it's, it's quite, um, you know, it feels like the situation has escalated quite, quite fast and like fast and furious. Um, but What's interesting with all of us in this space right now is all of us are creative people. And I think another dimension that this has kind of hit home for all of us maybe is the fact that creativity and art is being weaponized or being used in an inauthentic way. So I was wondering if maybe, Devin, you, you had some thoughts about this issue as an artist yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and I've been teaching for a really long time and um, my students always come to me and they talk about the things they're inspired by and the things that they see out in the world. And, and I think that that is so important and um, totally okay. Um, but the way that they um, kind of proudly proclaimed that they don't work with any Japanese people. They don't employ or work with any Japanese Americans and they've never collaborated with any Japanese or Japanese American designers or you know anything like that. It, that, that kind of kind of just like in your face like I don't care what you think. I know what I know what's right and I can do whatever I want. Um, is the type of disrespect that just I feel like is unacceptable not only in like fashion but in in any creative field. Um, I, I, I I just I was just so offended by that um, those statements and um, them referencing that they had family members who were Japanese American and tokenizing people in their family. That was just just so offensive. Um, yeah. I think there's a misunderstanding here. We'll go to you next then. I think there's a misunderstanding that there is a need to prove your right to be part of this conversation as well. 
which it's not about like it's not about that at all. To me, it's it's more about understanding how this hurts people and cracking your heart open to how your actions, naive or intentional, really hurt and cause suffering to people. You know, it causes vulnerability. Zen, did you have a thought there? I did have a lot of thoughts. Like, I want to talk about, like, um, what Glenn had touched upon earlier, that, like, it's not just a Japanese-American thing at this point. It's just, like, any marginalized person who has ever felt, you know, any sort of oppression can relate and, trigger, and be triggered by what's happening. Um, that's very obvious from everyone who's reached out to us and obvious from like all of this internet um, dialogue. Um, and then, yeah, I, it's just, there like the last like six years that I've been fighting um, gentrification in different groups here in LA, like it's obvious to me, like, you know, we, voiced our concerns and then we told them what we wanted you know I think a lot of people were like just change your name don't make little Tokyo merchandise and just leave you know and they're like no we can't do that they we're not leaving we can't change our name and we're still gonna make little Tokyo merchandise so you know I think my experience has been with people like this, that they are never going to get it and they're always going to require way more labor um, than is is required uh, from anybody actually. And um, they just need to leave. I don't think at this point, there's so much dam irreversible damage that has been done. Um, you know, even their response in the community council meeting um, the other day was a scripted, soulless, dead-eyed response to, you know, um, and it was full of lies and they were gaslighting us and everything like that. So it's like, they just need to leave, you know? And I think there's been a lot of fights in communities where um, that's the only choice. And I sincerely believe, and I feel like a lot of people, especially everybody who signed the petition, um, believe that they just need to go. They're just not going to be part of this uh, community in, in any sort of uh, constructive way at this point. Now, I just want to tell everybody that um, you, you, Zen, and Devin are both part of something called J-Town Action and Solidarity. Um, so I'm assuming that that petition came about through that group. Um, if, like, before we get to explaining what that project is, I have a question. Like, what what does the landlord say about like the landlord of the space? Like, what has there been any kind of input on that front? Anybody? <laughs> do do does do we? Any of us know about, has there been any word on the landlord? Maybe Zen might know, or Devin? Well, the, the, land, the landlord, um, the landlord, you know, really doesn't care. 
and has systematically been finding ways to push um, what we call legacy businesses out of Little Tokyo and out of um, out of the plaza for for many many years and. That's the reason why um, Mokuyobi was able to secure that space is because um, during the pandemic, um, they used they hid behind the pandemic and used it as a as a reason to not renew the leases of you know our historic businesses like uh, Blue Whale um, Jazz Bar, which has been a cultural center for jazz in Los Angeles for many 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 decades, and then also. Um, the beauty store that my grandma used to go to and first imported um, Japanese cosmetics. And, you know, I have like personal connection to those spaces. Like after the war, my grandparents were so poor and they lived in a trailer park in, in, in Burbank. And I just found out that the woman who owned that store helped my family get out of poverty and, and was a really close friend. And, and now, you know, businesses like that are getting, getting pushed out. And it's, so it's all part of that plan. It's not, it's not something that's coincidental. It's mm. is taking advantage of that. And they're part of that violence against our community and, and, you know, erasing, trying to erase us from that space. Mm. Spaces. So Mokuyobi is opening up two spaces. <laughs> not underneath the Yagura on First Street, but they also have a forward-facing kiosk in Weller Court. Um, which, I mean, how much, how much more space do you need to take up in this community that does, you don't represent? Is it's just outrageous? It's just very small-minded thinking, and like. I just hope, just, I don't know, by somehow, like, that, that they're, I don't know, that by seeing, obviously, it's not, it's not made any effect that by seeing the pain of others, um, how, how their actions affect other people, it doesn't seem to have made any difference. But what was interesting is, like, um, it seems like, so finding out that the landlord is also like a big contributor to this problem, it seems like the Mokuyobi issue is actually a symptom of a much larger problem of, you know, gentrification that's happening worldwide um, and this kind of watering down of culture that's happening, you know. And I think what's interesting is like, yeah, there is, we are in this weird pivotal time of shift between um, old world and new world like I definitely see it Gen Z amaze me I don't know as a teacher Devin if you what age group you're teaching but for me like Gen Z are like incredible I guess they're the first generation that have been born into seeing being able to see the world the whole world um, and I see a lot of change happening from that and I hope I have high hopes for the future but but what I wanted to say about young people is like the importance of history, you know, that's everything I'm about. If anyone listening like knows anything about what I do is like history is everything to me. My artwork stems from um, a kind of a kind of um, 
rediscovering of my history based on a very, I guess, like whitewashed um, Australian um, education that I got that didn't teach me anything about my Chinese history of, of like, you know, the Mao's Cultural Revolution, why my grandma left China. And but but really, when we talk about whitewashing and and gentrification, people don't know the crazy effects that happen when you remove culture from a society. Like I have friends who live in mainland China now and one of them staying with me in, in Bangkok right now. The stories she tells me about a society that has been built off like no history and culture because it was burnt down during China, um, Mao's Cultural Revolution is insane. Dude, it's like picture like girls going into coffee shops with suitcases, like with 10 changes of clothing, just to take like 10 different Instagram selfies of themselves. It's you, what happens from the taking away culture is lack thereof and complete horse shit of, of like style, culture, music, um, film, art, everything. And, you know, I think, I think, it's definitely a fight worth continuing. Um, so Devin or Zen, do you wanna just give us a little rundown on, on what J-Town Action and Solidarity is about and how people can check that out? <laughs> Devin's looking at Zen, Zen's looking at Devin. It's a standoff, we've got a Texan standoff. You talk about the uh, about Theo and we're unhoused and okay. Um, <laughs> uh, well, J Town Action and Solidarity is a group that we formed out of a need um, as artists in the community that want to function. Uh, almost autonomously, you know, I think there's so many incredible groups in Little Tokyo that all are working towards the same goal is, you know, helping, helping and supporting Little Tokyo. Um, and everybody all also has their own opinions on how to do it. And I feel like um, we as a group uh, that you can find on Instagram, um, wanted to talk about and critique from an artistic lens how we uh, deal with displacement in all forms, you know, and all forms of oppression and white supremacy. And uh, my really good friend, Theo Henderson, who has this incredible podcast called We the Unhoused, and it's a... Um, it's just such a radical form of compassion where he, as an unhoused person, talks to other unhoused people about their lives. You know, it's it's just like, it's super incredible. It's, it's a whole voice that is obviously not heard enough, you know, and, um, and, you know, we have been friends here in Chinatown for like, probably six years now. And um, his podcast kind of uh, came about during the pandemic. And um, now we can kind of 
we thought this would be a good uh, collaboration for us to um, talk about the overlapping stories of um, displacement in Little Tokyo and the Japanese American um, community and um, how those stories overlap with the unhoused folks, you know, and, you know, try to create some sort of sympathy to those, um, you know, to those those experiences, which are very, very similar, you know? And um, so we started a power-up. Uh, we started doing these power-ups, which are uh, mutual aid stations that provide electricity, um, harm reduction needs, food, and uh, medical supplies uh, for the unhoused folks. And there is a little Tokyo in LA uh, borders with Skid Row, and there is unhoused uh, community uh, encampment in Little Tokyo right now, which um, you know is very controversial subject in Little Tokyo because I know a lot of people don't want to don't want to acknowledge it, yeah. you know. And I that like we as artists, I really do believe that we as artists should be able to critique that and have those conversations with them ourselves. So like, I'm like so happy that like, you know, I feel like it's like a dream team. It's like me and Devin and Mario and Anna, like, you know, Six. and there's so many other people now. And then we got people like Glenn supporting us on the side. Like, it's great. And um, yeah. yeah, I love that. I mean, to me, like the, the role of art in the world is just to share a different perspective for for regular people who don't necessarily engage with the art world all the time. It's just giving them a new way of looking at the world, and that's a beautiful way for sure. Devin, what do um, what do you feel is the most kind of enriching contribution that J Town Action and Solidarity give to the world in your eyes? Well, Any question? I mean, I think it's uh, like for me, um, you know, when the pandemic happened, my wife is a nurse and I felt this overwhelming responsibility to not just help her, but also help um, other people who just didn't have simple things like a face shield. And so I spent the whole pandemic um, getting all my friends to, to, to buy 3D printers and each of us had 3D, two 3D printers in our studios and we all just started to print PPE and, you know, that's what it's about. It's, it's that there are these, there are these seemingly small things that everybody needs. And during the pandemic, it became very apparent that, you know, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. They're just these, these certain things they're, that they're human rights that we have, we should be able to protect ourselves. And that wasn't happening. And, um, you know, that's just like people are unhoused in Little Tokyo. It's like they have a right to, you know, have a warm meal every week or every day, you know, and they, yeah. they have a right to, be able to charge their phone. Um, and also that, um, like we've been talking about, Little Tokyo just isn't a place for Japanese Americans. It's, it's, it's a place in Los Angeles. It's part of our history uh, in Los Angeles. And, um, not only have Japanese Americans lived there, but it was also a black community. Um, and there's a lot of people like Glenn who have still deeply connected to it. So it's just that kind of spirit of like, 
mutual aid and community that that goes beyond what we have and you know who our who our grandma was you know that yeah. it's i feel like that that's what this is about and if in, in in the course of it we can help these people who are living there and give them food and power and things like that then great you know um so it's been really helpful for me and kind of like you lauren i've been kind of retracting my own family history and learning more about myself so um, in the process, um, I've been learning a lot from Theo and from from Zen and Anna and you know other people in our group. Dude, so, if that's not the definition of community, is you know all the little things and being seen and heard by just by other people, then I don't know what is. I hope Mokuyobi can listen and hear this um, space even if it's in secrecy. Now it's Glenn's turn. What do you want to say, Glenn? So first of all, uh, Lauren wanted just me to talk in this chat when I suggested that Zen and Devin should be in it because <laughs> they actually are part of the community. And for the most part, I've just been here listening because I don't even know what to say because they're spitting out knowledge, you know? <laughs> Like they are, they are like the the MLK. They're like the student non-action co coordinating committee. Like they're the the ones that should be at the front lines. I am the Molotov cocktail that you throw at the wall because I just want to see it all burn. Okay, I love it. So so when I when I'm a part of this, I'm learning so much, and I and I'm so happy that like. Hey, Lauren hit me up because I just wanted to be the conduit to bring in these real voices into the, into the conversation, to be honest. Like, and, and this is another thing that I don't know if we've really talked about yet, but it's like the political, the climate in this, like in America lately, like there's so many news stories of like elderly Asians getting punched in the head, you know, they're getting pushed. Like people that Dude, could be my those, grandparents. So I'm just going to cut in just real quickly. Those stories have come all the way to like rural Thailand. People are terrified exactly. about that because especially there was one Thai man that um, an elderly Thai man that got shoved and and died from that. And for for us in Thailand, it just the idea of that, you know, pushing an elder. First of all, a stranger, an elder, someone who's not doing anything is just like horror. It's horrifying. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, so, so, no, so in that climate that we're in, where like we're seeing the eyes of the world looking at like sort of the struggle that we've had as Asians a lot of our life, like it goes from being a young kid being called like a chink when they're young, it begets being called like a gook or a nip or whatever, you know, like. These are all things that, like, they say it to us because they don't think it's as bad as the N-word. Like, we say the N-word to denote it, but you, other people say these words like it's nothing, you know? So it's like when you hear that kind of language, you hear all these kinds of, like, terrible things that are happening to people that could, that look almost, like, literally from the back of their heads, they look just like my aunt, just like yeah. my grandma. They all have the same haircut. They all wear puffy micro uh, micro down jackets like during the winter. Yes. They, they could be my family members, all right? 
And to see someone like in Queens, New York, get punched into like an embankment just because like he felt like it, like you don't, you just see and like you see that kind of like hurt that we go through. Um, and then just to bring it back to like Mokuyobi, it's like you got to be out of your goddamn mind to be doing what you're doing when we're dealing with this and yeah. all like there's Time Magazine articles. There's like the Daily Show making like lighthearted but real serious pieces about it. There's like everyone is talking about it and you want to be the guy like you want to be the side that's like, no, nah, we don't care. You know, like we, we still need to sell this color block denim jacket. Like yeah. we need to sell this like this fucking set of clothes that looks like a kindergarten like rug. You know, it's like, yo, stop that shit. You know, like, just stop it. And it's also like, you're still not listening to us right now when everyone else is listening to us. Like, you choose not to do it. And that whole ignorance thing, it's like also indicative of like, like, I would say like the lighthearted racism that people like try to go around and say like, like there was a big article about like, these white ladies that wanted to like make cool minimalist mahjong tiles and uh, sell it for 400 bucks and i'm like Shh, are you out of your goddamn mind <laughs> these mahjong tiles are like 12 bucks anywhere else you go and like and that whole and then it digs into a deeper thing of like the inherent americanized racism that just exists but is like accepted like like there's american mahjong leagues com- mm. and, and, you know like they made a a whole other league, but use the word mahjong, which is an Asian word, you know? And like, what are you trying to prove at that point? And why are you trying to like sort of whitewash something that's inherently Asian, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's like those other bitches, sorry, like these, oh, those other chicks that made like a, a jade egg for your vagina <laughs> that are white girls. <laughs> Yo, it, that shit was on Diet Prada, man. Like, it's not cool. They made a, a song like Kung Fu Fighting, like that tune Kung Fu Fighting, but talking about like vagina eggs. You know, I'm like, yo, y'all are crazy. And yeah. you guys have to be out of your, literally, again, once again, you got to be out of your goddamn mind to do this kind of shit when like everyone is like, yo, like this is the analogy. It's like, would you be like racist against black people during BLM, you know? Like, this is what we're sort of dealing with. Like, we're dealing with, like, Asians getting dealt, Asians getting hated on, and it's all in the news, and you still want to call us, like, like Mm. a gook or something? You know, it's just, like, you, it's, it, and this is what brings me back to, like, why I love trashing Mokuyobi, because I think they're so dumb that they do these kinds of things. Like, they come with, like, this sense of entitlement. It's, like, literally... You can't get away from the entitlement vibe that they put off, you know? Yeah. Like, Devin and Zen, they sent me, like, these clips of, like, the Mokuyobi dudes, like, talking in the LTCC, like, the Little Tokyo Community Council, like, Zoom meeting or whatever. And, like, you could see them reading off a script, you know? Like, nothing is, like, from the heart. Mm. You could even see, like, the other dude mouthing the script, and you're just, like... Yo, man, like, what is going on? Like, you got to, like, at least, yo, if you're going to be, like, doing what you're doing, you got to at least, like, not be so blatantly stupid looking as you're doing it. Because when you're that stupid, 
you bring the Glens into the audience that want to like <laughs> fuck shit up, you know? Yeah. Like, I like I say, I'm like a glorified troll, not like an activist, but I'm here to like be the guy that like doesn't like. I want them to spit out the nice things, you know, the real things of how to help the community. I'm here to see that shit burn down. I'm bringing marshmallows. We're making s'mores. Like, we're doing all that, you know? Like, you got to be crazy. Like, you're going to put a cartoon neon Mount Fuji sign and be, like, in front of Japanese people? They're like, oh, what a cute mountain. That's not Mount Fuji. Like, you're stupid, man. Yeah. What is going no, on? No. Like, Dude, like, yeah. like, I just want to cut in here. Like, when you say, like, okay, I just want to say, dude, they're not ignorant. They know just as well what they're doing. Right. They know this is they're running a business here. Like they ju- they know exactly what they're doing. You know, saying that the Mount Fuji sign is not Mount Fuji is like complete, just total gaslighting as well. And like um, to me, it's not ignorance that we're talking about. To me, it's like a defensiveness that happens when white people are are their world is shattered and they are kind of some suddenly privy to the idea that maybe they you know had it pretty freaking easy not experiencing um you know life as it is for many other people in the world um so you know do you want to say something zen you have your hand yeah i want to i think we appreciate you glenn we need we love i love that energy um (laughs) but i also uh you know, I think it is this perfect storm of like everything. Like this is such a fucking slam dunk for this community. And I'll be very bummed if Mokuyobi opens without any sort of repercussions. I mean, I'll be pissed if they open, even though if, I think I'll be pissed if they open regardless at this point, but, um, you know, I didn't even want to think about that. I just want to focus on just them getting Little Tokyo and changing their name and just disappearing. But I think that, like, you know, I think what infuriates, I think, so many people that have voiced their concerns and opinions about this is the fact that, like, this idea of Asians being docile and quiet and hoping that this and like not standing up for it you know and it's just that sort of audacity that's you know that stereotype it's totally a stereotype the and like you know i think that like that's why people are so fucking pissed and i hope people still stay pissed because I only think Mokuyobi wants this to go away. You know, they're just going to be like, this is going to go away. Everybody's going to be fine. And I really do not want that to happen. You know, I think that they need to understand, especially in little Tokyo where people have a big voice and people should express themselves. And I feel like, especially now, um, I had another point, but I already forgot. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. I feel like we could talk about this for like hours. It feels like a therapy session because I don't think we really, really, really um, had the time, even as a group, to really process all of this because it's been happening so fast. And plus, we've been like trying to really focus and not take away energy from our mutual aid. Yeah. So, um, 
this is such a helpful conversation. I really I'm appreciate. I'm so happy it. that this is contributing somehow. Um, if there is any um, maybe different perspective that I can shed onto the issue, you know, we are all Asians talking about this, but I am a little different. I'm only half Asian, and I have had this kind of battle that you're having physically in the real world I've been having this battle not only with within myself but with my family members my white family members who definitely for example my dad who dad if you're listening I love you um, but yeah like you know my dad my dad is a beautiful example of a well-intended white man who behaves <laughs> sometimes very um, insensitively towards other races um, but doesn't intend for it but is when I pull him up for it closes and becomes defensive and I know he's better than that but that is the reaction that's white fragility in itself and I just want to shed that other perspective um, just to acknowledge that that could be also what's happening it's not Sometimes it's not ignorance. We're all educated, worldly people. We have access to the internet now. There's no excuse, pretty much. Um, but I want to, my intention is to disarm this defensiveness that causes so much harm and and prevents moving forward and prevents evolution. Like, dude, one day we're gonna be all so mixed race-wise that this hopefully will not be an issue of the future but it will continue to be an issue of the future if we don't have these conversations about the importance of art and culture and history and and love and pain and all these things Devin, you wanted to say something oh, no. <laughs> you were like getting ready to say something no I was, I was i was just agreeing but um yeah i think um I don't know. I would hope that if they, you know, heard my voice and they heard me talk about why it's so upsetting that it's not just this this internet troll game um, that's going on that the, these are real people's lives they're messing with, that they would have some compassion. But at this point, I really don't think yeah. that. I really don't think they have compassion. Mm. I well, don't think they but That's, I appreciate it. You know, I, I, I want to. It's just mm. I'm still very angry. Yeah. I, also, I mean, I totally I. I go back and forth about this, about what you you know, like this idea of like being able to um, come together and, and understanding. Um, but I also think that, like, if people don't have the capacity to, no. yeah, they never will. And I do believe like white supremacy is a white person's problem and it's not a person of color's problem to deal with their problem. They yeah. can only deal with that problem. It's not our job. Yeah. And like, to your point, when people clearly demonstrate that they don't have the capacity for that, uh, for seeing outside their very small world, it's important for people around to make boundaries so that they don't continue to be hurt by those people as well. Absolutely. And I feel like that is definitely the way I perceive what's happening right. with Mokubi in Little Tokyo. Like, I see. it's clearly, it's clear to me, and I feel like a lot of other people, that 
they do not, they have proven that they do not have the capacity to be even lightly pressed in the beginning, to have it escalate this far and still doubling down, tripling down, like lying constantly, still deleting comments. Mm. Like they don't have the capacity to be in this community. They don't have the the luxury to be in this community. Like Little Tokyo is an amazing community. And I, I really do hope that everyone in this community can see that, that we don't need that sort of business here. Yeah. And, and that there's so much damage that has been done in the last week and a half that like seeing it, a Mokuyobi store open is gonna be such a bummer for the people like me who have to go to the grocery store and pass by that store every day or like go get my coffee, you know? And like, I think that's going, to, that's a really big issue that I hope the other organizations in Little Tokyo understand, you know? And there's so many other things that Little Tokyo is fighting for, you know, we're under like the pressure of all this development, Metro and stuff like that. We have so many fights against displacement and gentrification, but this is just, this is the same conversation, you know, yeah. on, on a very, very um, tangible level. And I also want to say that, like, Mokuyobi is so defensive because their whole identity for their brand is stolen. Yes. Like, you know, and I think... <laughs> it's so inauthentic. People, it's so inauthentic. And we don't even talk about, like, you know, the sort of like rainbow flag, like posing as like a, a queer company as well. You know, I have so many, um, so many friends, Asian friends that are gay that were like, oh my God, I thought they were like, you know, this company that was like queer and Asian and, and they were like, I'm so appalled. Mm. And, um, but like, that's not a conversation that I can really talk about comfortably, but like, I hope somebody does. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is, I think that's a good place to wrap up this conversation today. Um, you know, to brands out there who are trying to make a buck off tokenism, don't do it. You know, be better than that. People are better than that. And customers are better than that. Treat your customers like they are the smartest, most evolved, beautiful human beings on the planet. And yes, but um, I'd like to go around to everybody. Just um, if you'd have one sentence to say to Mokuyobi, this is your time to shine. Let's start with who, who wants to start? Let's start with Glenn. Burn, baby, burn. You dumb motherfuckers. Get the fuck out of little Tokyo. Listen to the people in your ears. Are you colorblind? Because that's way too much color in one piece of clothing. You say ethical treatment for workers. Everyone should be ethical for their workers. Like, y'all are some dumb-ass mother... Peace. That was the longest sentence I've ever... There was a lot of commas in that sentence. So thank you, Glenn. Uh, Devin, what would you like to say? 
I would just like to tell them to leave. <laughs> and that that's that's really your only choice at this point. That it's unrepairable. That anything you do or anything you say is just it's it's just past that. Unfortunately, you had your opportunity, and you've had your opportunity many many times, and it just you don't take it seriously. You don't take mm -hmm. us seriously. And I take my family seriously and I take LA seriously and I'm not going anywhere. And if I'm not fighting for it, my kid will be, you know, in a few years. So it's scary times for people like you who won't listen. Yeah. Beautiful. And Zen, what do you have to say? Um, I think the very least that Mokuyobi could do, in my opinion, is to get the fuck out of Little Tokyo. She said it. <laughs> Glenn's just got to light her out. But, well, thank you so much for your input, for listening, for your time. I really appreciate this. My heart is, it's both heavy and full at the same time, just listening to you guys. And I'll post the links to JTown Action and Solidarity and also your, your, um, at, at, you know, your contacts for your work down the bottom. But thanks, guys, and bye for now. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Lauren. Thank Love you, so you guys. Much. Bye. bye.